Rules of the Road at Sea by the U.S. Coast and Geodetic Survey This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Rules of the Road at Sea and in Harbors rivers, and inland waters, except the great lakes and their connecting and tributary waters, as far east as Montreal, by the United States Coast and Geodetic Survey, August 1895. Regulations for Preventing Collisions Compiled from the Revised Statutes of the United States the Treasury Department Circulars of the Commissioner of Navigation, and from the general rules and regulations prescribed by the Board of Supervising Inspectors of Steam Vessels, 1895, for insertion in volumes of the United States Coast Pilot, Atlantic Coast. An Act in Regard to Collision at Sea be it enacted by the Senate and House of Representatives of the United States of America in Congress assembled, that in every case of collision between two vessels, it shall be the duty of the master or person in charge of each vessel, if and so far as he can do so, without serious danger to his own vessel, crew, and passengers, if any, to stay by the other vessel until he has ascertained that she has no need of further assistance, and to render to the other vessel her master, crew, and passengers, if any, such assistance as may be practicable and as may be necessary in order to save them from any danger caused by the collision, and also to give the master or person in charge of the other vessel the name of his own vessel and her port of registry, or the port or place to which she belongs, and also the names of the ports and places from which and to which she is bound. If he fails so to do, and no reasonable cause for such failure is shown, the collision shall, in the absence of proof to the contrary, be deemed to have been caused by his wrongful act, neglect, or default. Section 2. That every master or person in charge of a United States vessel who fails, without reasonable cause, to render such assistance or give such information as aforesaid, shall be deemed guilty of a misdemeanor, and shall be liable to a penalty of $1,000, or imprisonment for a term not exceeding two years, and for the above sum the vessel shall be liable, and may be seized and proceeded against, 
by process in any district court of the United States, by any person, one half such sum to be payable to the informer, and the other half to the United States. Section 3. That this act shall take effect at a time to be fixed by the President by proclamation issued for that purpose. Approved September 4, 1890. Proclamation dated November 18, 1890. To take effect December 15, 1890. Rules of the Road at Sea Adopted by All Important Maritime Nations The following Act of Congress to adopt the revised international regulations for preventing collisions at sea was approved March 3, 1885. Some foreign governments have not adopted paragraphs A and C of Article 10 in the form here given. But these paragraphs apply only to fishing vessels and boats when in the sea off the coast of Europe lying north of Cape Finisterre. An act to adopt the revised international regulations for preventing collisions at sea. Be it enacted by the Senate and House of Representatives of the United States of America in Congress assembled that the following revised international rules and regulations for preventing collisions at sea shall be followed in the navigation of all public and private vessels of the United States upon the high seas and in all coast waters of the United States except such as are otherwise provided for namely article 1 in the following rules every steamship which is under sail and not under steam is to be considered a sailing ship and every steamship which is under steam whether under sail or not is to be considered a ship under steam rules concerning lights Article 2. The lights mentioned in the following articles, numbered 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11, and no others, shall be carried in all weathers from sunset to sunrise. Article 3. A seagoing steamship when underway, shall carry a. on or in front of the foremast, at a height above the hull of not less than twenty feet, and if the breadth of the ship exceeds twenty feet, then at a height above the hull not less than such breadth, a bright white light so constructed as to show a uniform and unbroken light over an arc of the horizon of twenty points of the compass, so fixed as to throw the light 
ten points on each side of the ship, namely, from right ahead to two points abaft the beam on either side, and of such a character as to be visible on a dark night with a clear atmosphere at a distance of at least five miles. B. On the starboard side, a green light so constructed as to show a uniform and unbroken light over an arc of the horizon of ten points of the compass, so fixed as to throw the light from right ahead to two points abaft the beam on the starboard side, and of such a character as to be visible on a dark night with a clear atmosphere at a distance of at least two miles. C. On the port side, a red light so constructed as to show a uniform and unbroken light over an arc of the horizon of ten points of the compass, so fixed as to throw the light from right ahead to two points abaft the beam on the port side, and of such a character as to be visible on a dark night with a clear atmosphere at a distance of at least two miles. D. The said green and red side lights shall be fitted with inboard screens projecting at least three feet forward from the light so as to prevent these lights from being seen across the bow. Article 4. A steamship, when towing another ship, shall, in addition to her side lights, carry two bright white lights in a vertical line, one over the other, not less than three feet apart, so as to distinguish her from other steamships. Each of these lights shall be of the same construction and character, and shall be carried in the same position as the white light which other steamships are required to carry. Article 5. A. A ship, whether a steamship or a sailing ship, which from any accident is not under command, shall at night carry in the same position as the white light which steamships are required to carry, and, if a steamship, in place of that light, three red lights in globular lanterns, each not less than ten inches in diameter, in a vertical line, one over the other, not less than three feet apart, and of such a character as to be visible on a dark night with a clear atmosphere, at a distance of at least two miles, and shall by day carry in a vertical line, one over the other, not less than three feet apart, in front of, but not lower than, her foremast head, three black balls or shapes, each two feet in diameter. B. A ship, whether a steamship or a sailing ship, employed in laying or picking up a telegraph cable, shall at night carry, in the same position as the white light which steamships are required to carry, 
and, if a steamship, in place of that light, three lights in globular lanterns, each not less than ten inches in diameter, in a vertical line, one over another, not less than six feet apart. The highest and lowest of these lights shall be red, and the middle light shall be white, and they shall be of such a character that the red lights shall be visible at the same distance as the white light. By day she shall carry in a vertical line, one over the other, not less than six feet apart, in front of, but not lower than, her foremast head, three shapes not less than two feet in diameter, of which the top and bottom shall be globular in shape and red in color, and the middle one diamond in shape and white. C. The ships referred to in this article, when not making any way through the water, shall not carry the side lights, but when making way shall carry them. D. The lights and shapes required to be shown by this article are to be taken by other ships as signals that the ship showing them is not under command and cannot therefore get out of the way. The signals to be made by ships in distress and requiring assistance are contained in Article 27. Article 6. A sailing ship underway, or being towed, shall carry the same lights as are provided by Article 3 for a steamship underway, with the exception of the white light, which she shall never carry. Article 7. Whenever, as in the case of small vessels during bad weather, the green and red side lights cannot be fixed, these lights shall be kept on deck, on their respective sides of the vessel, ready for use, and shall, on the approach of or to other vessels, be exhibited on their respective sides in sufficient time to prevent a collision, in such a manner as to make them most visible, and so that the green lights shall not be seen on the port side nor the red light on the starboard side. To make the use of these portable lights more certain and easy, the lanterns containing them shall each be painted outside with the color of the light they respectively contain, and shall be provided with proper screens. Article 8. A ship whether a steamship or a sailing ship, when at anchor, shall carry, where it can best be seen, but at a height not exceeding twenty feet above the hull, a white light in a globular lantern of not less than eight inches in diameter, and so constructed as to show a clear, uniform, and unbroken light visible all around the horizon at a distance of at least one mile. Article 9. A pilot vessel, when engaged on her station on pilotage duty, 
shall not carry the lights required for other vessels, but shall carry a white light at the masthead, visible all around the horizon, and shall also exhibit a flare-up light or flare-up lights at short intervals, which shall never exceed fifteen minutes. A pilot vessel, when not engaged on her station on pilotage duty, shall carry lights similar to those of other ships. Article 10. Open boats and fishing vessels of less than twenty tons net registered tonnage, when under way, and when not having their nets, trawls, dredges, or lines in the water, shall not be obliged to carry the colored side lights. But every such boat and vessel shall, in lieu thereof, have ready at hand a lantern with a green glass on the one side and a red glass on the other side, and on approaching to or being approached by another vessel, such lantern shall be exhibited in sufficient time to prevent collision, so that the green light shall not be seen on the port side, nor the red light on the starboard side. The following portion of this article applies only to fishing vessels and boats when in the sea off the coast of Europe, lying north of Cape Finisterre. A. All fishing vessels and fishing boats of twenty tons net registered tonnage or upward, when underway, and when not having their nets, trawls, dredges, or lines in the water, shall carry and show the same lights as other vessels underway. B. All vessels, when engaged in fishing with drift nets, shall exhibit two white lights from any part of the vessel where they can best be seen. Such lights shall be placed so that the vertical distance between them shall be not less than six feet and not more than ten feet, and so that the horizontal distance between them, measured in a line with the keel of the vessel, shall be not less than five feet and not more than ten feet. The lower of these two lights shall be the more forward, and both of them shall be of such a character and contained in lanterns of such construction as to show all round the horizon on a dark night with a clear atmosphere for a distance of not less than three miles. C. All vessels, when trawling, dredging, or fishing, with any kind of drag nets, shall exhibit from some part of the vessel where they can be best seen, two lights. One of these lights shall be red, and the other shall be white. The red light shall be above the white light, and shall be at a vertical distance from it of not less than six feet, 
and not more than twelve feet, and the horizontal distance between them, if any, shall not be more than ten feet. These two lights shall be of such a character, and contained in lanterns of such construction, as to be visible all round the horizon, on a dark night, with a clear atmosphere, the white light to a distance of not less than three miles, and the red light of not less than two miles. D. A vessel employed in line fishing, with her lines out, shall carry the same lights as a vessel when engaged in fishing with drift nets. E. If a vessel, when fishing with a trawl, dredge, or any kind of drag net, becomes stationary in consequence of her gear getting fast to a rock or other obstruction, she shall show the light and make the fog signal for a vessel at anchor. F. Fishing vessels and open boats may at any time use a flare-up in addition to the lights which they are by this article required to carry and show. All flare-up lights exhibited by a vessel when trawling, dredging, or fishing with any kind of drag net shall be shown at the after part of the vessel, excepting that if the vessel is hanging by the stern to her trawl, dredge, or drag net, they shall be exhibited from the bow. G. Every fishing vessel and every open boat, when at anchor between sunset and sunrise, shall exhibit a white light, visible all round the horizon, at a distance of at least one mile. H. In a fog, a drift-net vessel attached to her nets and a vessel, when trawling, dredging, or fishing with any kind of drag net, and a vessel employed in line fishing with her lines out, shall, at intervals of not more than two minutes, make a blast with her foghorn and ring her bell alternately. Article 11. A ship which is being overtaken by another shall show from her stern to such last-mentioned ship a white light or a flare-up light. Sound Signals for Fog and So Forth Article 12 A steamship shall be provided with a steam whistle or other efficient steam sound signals so placed that the sound may not be intercepted by any obstructions, and with an efficient fog horn to be sounded by a bellows or other mechanical means, and also with an efficient bell. In all cases where the regulations require a bell to be used, a drum will be substituted on board Turkish vessels. A sailing ship shall be provided with a similar fog horn and bell. In fog, mist, or falling snow, 
whether by day or night. The signals described in this article shall be used as follows. That is to say, A. A steamship underway shall make with her steam whistle or other steam sound signal at intervals of not more than two minutes a prolonged blast. B. A sailing ship underway shall make with her foghorn at intervals of not more than two minutes when on the starboard tack one blast when on the port tack two blasts in succession and when with the wind abaft the beam three blasts in succession c a steamship and a sailing ship when not under way shall at intervals of not more than two minutes ring the bell speed of ships to be moderate in fog and so forth article thirteen every ship whether a sailing ship or a steamship shall in a fog mist or falling snow go at moderate speed steering and sailing rules article fourteen when two sailing ships are approaching one another so as to involve risk of collision one of them shall keep out of the way of the other as follows namely a a ship which is running free shall keep out of the way of a ship which is close hauled b a ship which is close hauled on the port tack shall keep out of the way of a ship which is close hauled on the starboard tack c when both are running free with the wind on different sides the ship which has the wind on the port side shall keep out of the way of the other d when both are running free with the wind on the same side the ship which is to windward shall keep out of the way of the ship which is to leeward. E. A ship which has the wind aft shall keep out of the way of the other ship. Article 15. If two ships under steam are meeting end on or nearly end on so as to involve risk of collision, each shall alter her course to starboard, so that each may pass on the port side of the other. This article only applies to cases where ships are meeting end-on or nearly end-on, in such a manner as to involve risk of collision, and does not apply to two ships which must, if both keep on their respective courses, pass clear of each other. The only cases to which it does apply are when each of the two ships is end-on or nearly end-on to the other. In other words, to cases in which by day 
each ship sees the masts of the other in a line or nearly in a line with her own and by night to cases in which each ship is in such a position as to see both the side lights of the other it does not apply by day to cases in which a ship sees another ahead crossing her own course or by night to cases where the red light of one ship is opposed to the red light of the other or where the green light of one ship is opposed to the green light of the other or where a red light without a green light or a green light without a red light is seen ahead or where both green and red lights are seen anywhere but ahead article 16 if two ships under steam are crossing so as to involve risk of collision the ship which has the other on her own starboard side shall keep out of the way of the other article 17 if two ships one of which is a sailing ship and the other a steamship are proceeding in such directions as to involve risk of collision the steamship shall keep out of the way of the sailing ship article 18 every steamship when approaching another ship so as to involve risk of collision shall slacken her speed or stop and reverse if necessary article 19 in taking any course authorized or required by these regulations a steamship under way may indicate that course to any other ship which she has in sight by the following signals on her steam whistle namely one short blast to mean i am directing my course to starboard two short blasts to mean i am directing my course to port three short blasts to mean i am going full speed astern the use of these signals is optional but if they are used the course of the ship must be in accordance with the signal made article twenty notwithstanding anything contained in any preceding article every ship whether a sailing ship or a steamship overtaking any other shall keep out of the way of the overtaken ship article twenty one in narrow channels every steamship shall when it is safe and practicable keep to that side of the fairway or mid-channel which lies on the starboard side of such ship article twenty two where by the above rules one of two ships are to keep out of the way the other shall keep her course article twenty three in obeying and construing these rules due regard shall be had to all dangers of navigation 
and to any special circumstances which may render a departure from the above rules necessary in order to avoid immediate danger. No ship, under any circumstances, to neglect proper precautions. Article 24. Nothing in these rules shall exonerate any ship, or the owner, or master, or crew thereof, from the consequences of any neglect to carry lights or signals, or of any neglect to keep a proper lookout, or of the neglect of any precaution which may be required by the ordinary practice of seamen, or by the special circumstances of the case. Reservation of Rules for Harbor and Inland Navigation Article 25 Nothing in these rules shall interfere with the operation of a special rule duly made by local authority relative to the navigation of any harbor, river, or inland navigation. Special Lights for Squadrons and Convoys Article 26 Nothing in these rules shall interfere with the operation of any special rules made by the government of any nation with respect to additional station and signal lights for two or more ships of war or for ships sailing under convoy. Article 27. When a ship is in distress and requires assistance from other ships or from the shore, the following shall be the signals to be used and displayed by her, either together or separately, that is to say, in the daytime, first, a gun fired at intervals of about one minute, Second, the International Code Signal of Distress indicated by N.C. Third, the distant signal consisting of a square flag having either above or below it a ball or anything resembling a ball. At night, first, a gun fired at intervals of about a minute. Second, flames on the ship, as from a burning tar barrel, oil barrel, and so forth. Third, rockets or shells, throwing stars of any color or description, fired one at a time at short intervals. Section 2. That all laws and parts of laws inconsistent with the foregoing revised international rules and regulations for the navigation of all public and private vessels of the United States upon the high seas and in all coast waters of the United States are hereby repealed except as to the navigation of such vessels within the harbors lakes and inland waters of the united states and that this act shall take effect and be in force from and after the first day of september 
Anno Domini 1884. Approved March 3rd, 1885. Rules and Regulations for the Government of Pilots of Steamers Navigating Harbors, Rivers, and Inland Waters, except the Great Lakes, the Red River of the North, and rivers emptying into the Gulf of Mexico and their tributaries, when meeting or approaching each other, whether by day or night, and as soon as fully within sound of the steam whistle. Adopted by the Board of Supervising Inspectors, June 1871, amended January 1875, January 1881, 1882, 1893, and 1895. Rule 1. When steamers are approaching each other head and head, or nearly so, it shall be the duty of each steamer to pass to the right or port side of the other, and the pilot of either steamer may be first in determining to pursue this course, and thereupon shall give, as a signal of his intention, one short and distinct blast of his steam whistle, which the pilot of the other steamer shall answer promptly by a similar blast of his steam whistle, and thereupon such steamers shall pass to the right or port side of each other. But if the course of such steamers is so far on the starboard of each other as not to be considered by pilots as meeting head to head, or nearly so, the pilots so first deciding shall immediately give two short and distinct blasts of his steam whistle, which the pilot of the other steamer shall answer promptly by two similar blasts of his steam whistle, and they shall pass to the left or on the starboard side of each other. In the night, steamers will be considered as meeting head and head, so long as both the colored lights of each are in view of the other. Rule 2. When steamers are approaching each other in an oblique direction, as shown in diagram of the fourth situation, they shall pass to the right of each other, as if meeting head and head, or nearly so, and the signals by whistle shall be given and answered promptly, as in that case specified. Rule 3. If, when steamers are approaching each other, the pilot of either vessel fails to understand the course or intention of the other, whether from signals being given or answered erroneously, or from other causes, the pilot so in doubt shall immediately signify the same by giving several short and rapid blasts of the steam whistle. And if the vessels shall have approached within half a mile of each other, both shall be immediately slowed to a speed barely sufficient for steerage way 
until the proper signals are given, answered, and understood, or until the vessels shall have passed each other. Vessels approaching each other from opposite directions are forbidden to use what has become technically known among pilots as cross-signals, that is, answering one whistle with two, and answering two whistles with one. In all cases, and under all circumstances, a pilot receiving either of the whistle signals provided in the rules, which, for any reason, he deems injudicious to comply with, instead of answering it with a cross-signal, must at once observe the provisions of this rule. Rule 4. When steamers are running in a fog or thick weather, it shall be the duty of the pilot to cause a long blast of the steam whistle to be sounded at intervals not exceeding one minute. Steamers, when drifting or at anchor, in the fairway of other vessels, in a fog or thick weather, shall ring their bells at intervals of not more than two minutes. Rule 5. Whenever a steamer is nearing a short bend or curve in the channel, where, from the height of the banks or other cause, a steamer approaching from the opposite direction cannot be seen for a distance of half a mile, the pilot of such steamer, when he shall have arrived within half a mile of such a curve or bend, shall give a signal by one long blast of the steam whistle, which signal shall be answered by a similar blast, given by the pilot of any approaching steamer that may be within hearing. Should such signal be so answered by a steamer upon the farther side of such bend, then the usual signals for meeting and passing shall immediately be given and answered. But if the first alarm signal of such pilot be not answered, he is to consider the channel clear and govern himself accordingly. When boats are moved from their docks or berths, and other boats are liable to pass from any direction toward them, they shall give the same signal as in the case of boats meeting at a bend. But immediately after clearing their berths, so as to be fully in sight, they shall be governed by Rule 1. Rule 6. The signals by the blowing of the steam whistle shall be given and answered by pilots in compliance with these rules, not only when meeting head and head, or nearly so, but at all times when passing or meeting at a distance within half a mile of each other, and whether passing to starboard or port. Rule 7. When two steamers are approaching the Narrows, known as Hell Gate, on the East River at New York, side by side, or nearly so, running in the same direction, the steamer on the right 
or starboard hand of the other, when approaching from the west, when they shall have arrived abreast of the north end of Blackwell's Island, shall have the right of way, and the steamer on the left or port side shall check her way and drop astern. In like case, when two steamers are approaching from the east and are abreast of Negro Point, the steamer on the right or starboard hand of the other shall have the right of way and shall proceed on her course without interference, and the steamer on the port side of the other shall keep at a safe distance astern not less than three lengths until both steamers have passed through the difficult channel. Rule 8. When steamers are running in the same direction, and the pilot of a steamer, which is astern, shall desire to pass on the right or starboard hand of the steamer ahead, he shall give one short blast of the steam whistle as a signal of such desire and intention, and shall put his helm to port. Or, if he shall desire to pass on the left or port side of the steamer ahead, he shall give two short blasts of the steam whistle as a signal of such desire and intention, and shall put his helm to starboard, and the pilot of the steamer ahead shall answer by the same signals, or, if he does not think it safe for the steamer astern to attempt to pass at that point, he shall immediately signify the same by giving several short and rapid blasts of the steam whistle, and under no circumstances shall the steamer astern attempt to pass the steamer ahead until such time as they have reached a point where it can be safely done, when said steamer ahead shall signify her willingness by blowing the proper signals. The boat ahead shall in no case attempt to cross the bow or crowd upon the course of the passing steamer. Every vessel coming up with another vessel from any direction more than two points abaft her beam, that is, in such a position with reference to the vessel which she is overtaking, that at night she would be unable to see either of that vessel's side lights, shall be deemed to be an overtaking vessel, and no subsequent alteration of the bearing between the two vessels shall make the overtaking vessel a crossing vessel within the meaning of these rules, or relieve her of the duty of keeping clear of the overtaken vessel until she is finally passed and clear. Rule 9. All double-ended ferry boats on lakes and seaboard shall carry a central range of clear, bright, white lights showing all around the horizon, placed at equal altitudes forward and aft, also such side lights as specified in section 4233, Revised Statutes, 
Rule 3, Paragraphs B and C. Local inspectors in districts having ferry boats shall, whenever the safety of navigation may require, designate for each line of such boats a certain light, white, or colored, which shall show all around the horizon, to designate and distinguish such lines from each other, which light shall be carried on a flagstaff amidship fifteen feet above the white range lights. The line dividing jurisdiction between pilot rules on western rivers and harbors, rivers and inland waters at New Orleans, shall be the lower limits of that city. Lights for barges and canal boats in tow of steam vessels. Rule 10. On the inland rivers, bays, sounds, and harbors of the United States, except on the waters of the Hudson River and its tributaries from Troy to Sandy Hook, the waters of the East River and Long Island Sound, and the waters entering thereon, and to the Atlantic Ocean, to and including Narragansett Bay, Rhode Island, and tributaries, and Lake Champlain, barges and canal boats towing astern of steam vessels, when towing singly, or what is known as tandem towing, shall each carry a green light on the starboard side, and a red light on the port side. When two or more boats are abreast, the colored lights shall be carried at the outer sides of the bows of the outside boats. Barges or canal boats, towing alongside a steam vessel, shall, if the deck houses or cargo of the barge or canal boat be so high above water as to obscure the side lights of the towing steamer when being towed on the starboard side of the steamer, carry a green light upon the starboard side, and when towed on the port side of the steamer, a red light on the port side of the barge or canal boat and if there is more than one barge or canal boat abreast, the colored lights shall be displayed from the outer side of the outside barges or canal boats. Barges and canal boats, when being towed by steam vessels on the waters of the Hudson River and its tributaries from Troy to Sandy Hook, the East River, and Long Island Sound, and the waters entering thereon, and to the Atlantic Ocean, to and including Narragansett Bay, Rhode Island, and tributaries, and Lake Champlain, shall carry lights as follows. Barges and canal boats being towed astern of steam vessels, when towing singly, or what is known as tandem towing, shall each carry a white light on the bow and a white light on the stern. 
barges and canal boats, when towed at a hawser, two or more abreast, when in one tier, shall carry a white light on the bow and a white light on the stern of each of the outside boats, when in more than one tier, each of the outside boats shall carry a white light on its bow, and the outside boats in the last tier shall each carry, in addition, a white light on the outer after part of the stern. Barges or canal boats towed alongside a steam vessel, if on the starboard side of said steam vessel, shall display a white light on her own starboard bow, and if on the port side of said steam vessel shall display a white light on her own port bow, and if there is more than one barge or canal boat alongside, the white lights shall be displayed from the outboard side of the outside barge or canal boat. When barges or canal boats are massed in tiers and towed at a hawser, as is usual on the Hudson River, there shall be carried on the forward port side of the port boat of each tier a white light, and on the forward starboard side of the starboard boat in each tier a white light, and on the after port side of the port boat in the stern tier a white light, and on the after starboard side of the starboard boat in the stern tier a white light. The white lights for barges and canal boats referred to in the preceding rules shall be carried at least ten feet and not more than thirty feet abaft the stem or extreme forward end of the vessel, above the deck rail of the vessel on single-decked vessels, and on the upper deck of double or three-decked barges or canal boats, and shall be of such a character as to be visible on a dark night with a clear atmosphere at a distance of at least five miles. The colored side lights referred to in the foregoing rules must be fitted with inboard screens so as to prevent them from being seen across the bow, and of such a character as to be visible on a dark night with a clear atmosphere at a distance of at least two miles, and so constructed as to show a uniform and unbroken light over an arc of the horizon of ten points of the compass, and so fixed as to throw the light from right ahead to two points abaft the beam on either side. The minimum size of glass globes used shall not be less than six inches in diameter and five and one-half inches high in the clear. Any barge or canal boat in tow of a steam vessel when the last boat of a tow and not required by these rules to carry a light on the stern 
except upon rivers whose waters flow into the Gulf of Mexico, on being overtaken by another vessel, shall show from her stern to such last-mentioned vessel a flare-up light, or, in lieu thereof, a white light fixed and carried in a lantern, which shall be so constructed, fitted, and screened, that it shall throw an unbroken light over an arc of the horizon of twelve points of the compass, namely, for six points from right aft on each side of the vessel, so as to be visible at a distance of at least one mile. These rules for lights on barges and canal boats shall take effect at sundown May 1st, 1894, and the lights provided therein shall thereafter be carried from sunset to sunrise at all times when being navigated, provided that nothing in these rules shall be construed as compelling barges or canal boats in tow of steam vessels passing through any waters en route or directly to or from a port where lights for barges or canal boats are different from those of the waters whereon such vessels are usually employed, to change their lights from those required on the waters from which their trip begins or terminates. But should such vessels engage in local employment on waters requiring different lights from those where they are customarily employed, they shall comply with the local rules where employed. Decision of the Secretary of the Treasury, number 3838, dated January 8, 1879. Note, this refers to Rule 7 on page 8. End note. When towing, the law will be complied with by having an additional light aft two or three feet below the proper after light, also showing around the horizon, and from a flagstaff of sufficient height put anywhere abaft the pilot house. Lights so displayed on towing vessels without masts are considered the equivalents of the two masthead lights required by Rule 4, Section 4233, Revised Statutes. End of Rules of the Road at Sea by the U.S. Coast and Geodetic Survey Recording by Maria Casper